Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Chris Maxwell and Tracy Reynolds uh, enjoying doing what we do, and that's talking, having a conversation, uh, conversations with one another and with friends that we've known a while and new friends. I've been even known to talk to myself, uh, but I really enjoy I wasn't going to bring that up, Tracy, but <laughs> no. we and could sometimes... talk more about that later if you'd like to. Uh, that's what my therapist is for. Um, <laughs> we're pleased to have Todd Bolsinger with us uh, for a second uh, go around. Uh, most recently, Todd has written uh, Tempered Resilience, um, and we were talking more about that kind of thing. But before we dive back into that, Todd, tell us a bit about how people can find you mm-hmm. and... Uh, yeah, so how, how do we find Todd? You're not hard to find. I didn't find you. I'm not hard to, not hard to find. Um, I'm, I serve as the executive director for the Church Leadership Institute that's at Fuller Seminary. Um, it's, uh, I helped found it. We do a bunch of research there on how do we help churches navigate change well. Mm-hmm. And then I'm the um, co-owner and founder of A.E. Sloan Leadership um, company. That's aeslonleadership.com. Um, my wife and I um, own this little company together. It was named after our mentors. This These older couple, they mm. were in their late 60s and they gave their life to Beth and me when we were, I was a young pastor. Wow. And um, in many ways, they, they promised to give us a great ministry and a great life. And they cared for us deeply. And in their honor, we do our work with pet leaders today. Todd, there's a couple of times you've mentioned that. You've obviously had some very significant mentors mm-hmm. in, in your life. Uh, you, your earlier pastor, mm-hmm. uh, to met people that have invested in you. Is that kind of what has uh, stemmed wanting to do that, to give something back? Yeah. Yeah, the experience, probably the most fundamental experience I've had of leadership is that um, everybody talks about leadership being lonely. And what I realized is leadership can be lonely. But very often, leaders choose to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Like we we choose, to, like we're like, I'm going to get this thing done. I want to make sure this is done right. If I'm going to do it right, I'm going to do it myself. And we start realizing that that's actually a contradictory. Leaders are really about bringing people together. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that I had to learn is that God brought people in my life to make sure that right. I wouldn't be alone leading. Mm-hmm. And the more I was able to ex- see them and experience them and experience literally, like not only the great cloud of witnesses biblically, which some of my mentors are now there in heaven, but really surrounded me even when I was a young leader being developed is become the center of what I do. I mean, every single day I wake up and I work with either churches or pastors or presidents of schools. I, today I talked to a president of one seminary and a denominational leader of another denomination of pa- two senior, two pastors on a pastoral team in a large church in Florida. I mean, I work with leaders every single day helping them uh, basically be able to lead change well. And so my job now is to be that kind of mentoring, coaching, consulting person. Right. And and you stepped out of a pastoral role mm-hmm. for 17 years? Is yeah. That, uh, yeah. 27 years total as a pastor, gotcha. 17 years as a senior pastor, loved it. And what I realized is my heart more and more and more was going toward leadership development. Mm. And um, so I was invited by President Mark Laberden to be his first appointee. I was a vice president. And really my job was to help them think through how theological education needs to change. Mm. And after seven years of doing a bunch of different initiatives that were 
pretty innovative around the school. We finally got a, a strategic plan passed that we knew what our future was. And I said to him, um, you're going to need someone to administrate this. Yeah. And I'm really not, I, I really feel like my calling is to work with leaders doing change. And so if you need me to, I'll leave. And he said, why don't you stay and do that here? So, so I'm a little bit like a doctor who has a, my own medical practice. Mm-hmm. I've got my own consulting company. And then I teach at the med school and do research at the med <laughs> school also. That's what I get to do at the seminary. So every, every day I just work with leaders. And all the things That's that you've good. done in the past have helped pave the way oh, and made man. you where you are. I, I love... Um, that we're all people in process mm-hmm. and that, that God uses those things not only to fashion us um, as we're achieving whatever the mission is, that, that we're being changed in the process. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the leadership happens. Um, your last book uh, about resilience, mm-hmm. and you talked about blacksmithing. Uh, tell us a bit more about that and, and kind of what's at the heart of that. Um, yeah, so it, it's... it's Blacksmithing is such an interesting metaphor because it's like this violent art form, right? You've got steel and fire and anvils and hammers. And it's, I mean, you walk into a blacksmith shop. The very first time I ever walked in, I'm wearing T-shirts and I'm wearing a T-shirt and jeans. And I'm signed up for this blacksmithing class. They give me earplugs. That's all they gave me. I'm thinking I'm going to get chain mail or leather goo boots (laughs) or, you know, leather gloves or a helmet. Nope, earplugs. And before I know it, they've given me a pair of tongs and a pair of thing of steel and I've got it in the fire and I'm blacksmithing. And I realized this is the experience that people have when they get into leadership, right? Like I signed up for this. I'm ready to do this. I mean, all the, all I had done in that class is sign something that made sure they knew that I knew that this is dangerous, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? That you may not get out of here right. with all your limbs or your yeah. fingers. And I keep thinking that's kind of what happens to us in leadership. Like mm-hmm. we, this is more fraught than we thought. Right. And we're in it. And and I said, what happens to leaders is you're in the fire before you realize what you signed mm-hmm. up for. And that's hard. And and one of the hardest parts of it is you get asked to be a leader right after you were good at something that was not leading. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you're a really good speaker, they might ask you yeah. to preach. And if you're a really good preacher, they might ask you to be the pastor. Right. And pretty soon you, you realize really quickly that you can be a really good preacher and not know anything about leading a congregation. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, oh my gosh, what did I sign up for? Like, I would, um, just like, and it happens in the world all the time too. You know, everybody, a salesperson becomes a sales manager. In academia, the person who publishes the most, they make yeah. the dean of the faculty. Like, right. sitting alone in a library writing articles is the same thing as running an entire faculty. It's just, that's the mm-hmm. challenge of leadership is that you have to go from being an expert to the person who's actually leading the learning while you're in it real time. That's well, kind of good it. news, bad news, though. You know, I, I mean, we work at a college here and there there's a sense by the denomination that you're training that next generation uh, and they, they want to know, are they prepared to do this? Well, no, we're, we're that. Yes, we there's only so much you can learn in a classroom. Yep. And no matter how many uh, internships you have, like you said, before you realize it, you're, you're in the fire. Hmm. Yeah, as you were making those statements, it just really got to me because uh, I, I have a pastoral heart and mm-hmm. I love that. I love pastoring people and I love the word. 
Um, and I can remember growing up, the denomination I grew up in was the Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. And just the structure of that was the role, mm-hmm. preach the word and pastor the people. Yeah. And now that I've been away from being a full-time pastor and working at Emmanuel, I recently started helping a church that was about to close. And the Lord sent me there and the, the design, the size, the style, everything about the church is not what Chris would have selected. Yeah. But that's why I was sent there, uh-huh. because it's not to be about me. Yeah. And I was reminded, preach the word and just pastor yeah. the people. Yeah. And now God is bringing in other people so we can be more of that team. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, I love yeah. that. But but it's sad to me that we've equaled, if you do this, it's just, just the way you were describing, yeah. if, if you do this, then you have to have all of these titles. Yeah. Well, one of those titles may not be mine. Right. It may not be right. how I'm wired. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting thing the way you described it because one of the hardest parts about leadership is this gap between um, what who we are and what God want, needs us to become. It's the transformation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I always say my favorite quote by Ronald Heifetz, who's the person who's kind of behind this adaptive leadership stuff, is leadership is disappointing your own people at a rate they can absorb. <laughs> right, and no, none of us got into ministry because we wanted to disappoint people. It's mm-hmm. like we, there's a God we love. There are people we love. We want to introduce the people we love to the God we love. We want to do that by building a church they would love. What's mm-hmm. not to love? Yeah. Well, as soon as you start having to see, hey, there's a God we love, and there's people we love, and we're going to have to build a church that helps them be transformed. That means mm-hmm. we're going to have to be transformed. That's right. That means the church is going to have to transform. Nobody likes going through transformation. Yeah, change is experienced as loss. They tell mm-hmm. us people aren't resisting change; they're resisting loss. Mm, so you're so having to help people go through loss in order to get the church they will love. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard. We we are we, and that's what I mean by the fire. We are in these vulnerable moments yeah. where we are asking ourselves deep questions about our own capacity. And that's where the, the transformation begins, is when we're vulnerable mm-hmm. before God and God begins to shape us. You, you mentioned in the book, Beyond the Fire, mm-hmm. the anvil. Yeah. Uh, take us there. Tell us the, the beauty of that. Well, you know, so when you're, when you're in the blacksmithing class, one of the things that happens is that you, um, they'll, they'll tell you a few minutes in to pull out the steel. And when you pull out the steel the first time out of the fire, it's the same color and the same consistency as it was before. It's gray and hard. It's just 700 degrees. It'll <laughs> it'll burn the skin off your hands, so don't touch it. But there's nothing you can do with it. At 700 degrees, it's only dangerous. Okay. It has to go back into the fire until it gets to 2,000 degrees. Mm. Now it goes from being hard and gray to being soft and red orange. And it doesn't look like it can do anything. And, and when you pull it out of the fire, literally gravity makes it bend. And for me, this is the moment that every leader has to realize is there's these moments when we are so vulnerable that we don't think God can do anything with us. It's actually when God is shaping us. But what you do with that steel is you put it on an anvil. Mm -hmm. You don't take it around the shop. You don't twist it into shape. You don't hit it with a hammer. It'll explode. You put it on an anvil. And the center of the blacksmithing experience is the anvil. I mean, I actually have a picture of an anvil with my name on it. Like, right? That anvil to me is our relationships. Mm-hmm. And so you talked about the people in my life who have mentored me and been part of my life. I think of them as the people who make up my anvil. Mm. And your anvil has to be thick and heavy and trustworthy. And most of us don't have nearly strong enough anvil to handle 
the amount of shaping God's going to do in our lives. And we need to have an, and I always say that the way you able to measure the weight of your anvil is ask yourself the question, do I have partners and do I have mentors and do I have friends? Mm -hmm. And that those are three different categories. You know, partners are the people who care more about the mission than they care about me. Mm -hmm. That's why I know they're a partner. If I stopped doing it, they'd keep doing it. I mean, they're saying, I love doing it with you, but if you stop, I'm going to keep doing it, yeah. right? Your friends are the people who care. I would say my friends are the people who care about me more than they care about the mission. <laughs> they're the ones who go, it's really good that you're doing what you're doing, but are you okay, right? Mm-hmm. And never want to confuse the two. Very often what, what makes a toxic or dysfunctional mm-hmm. church is when you, might, when you want all your friends to be like on your board or on your staff. Mm-hmm. You got to know there's a difference. And you need them both, right? right. I, you, I have had great partners who challenge me to be more faithful to the gospel. I've had good friends. You know, people I still say stuff like, hey, Todd, congratulations, you got a new book out. And I'll say, yes, would you want to read it? And they go, no. Like, <laughs> like I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm your friend. I lived it. I right? I'm not, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not interested in that leadership thing. That's your thing, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a group in the middle. If the, if the partners are the people who care about the mission more than they care about me, and my friends are those who care about me more than the mission. The mentors, those are people who care about me for the sake of the mission. Mm. And by mentors, I mean certain people who are just mentoring relationships. I, I have a mentor that I call every month who's a Texas businessman who's helping me understand how to run a good, healthy business now that I have a consulting company. But it's also my spiritual directors, therapists, coaches, these are all people who care deeply about us, but they care deeply about us so we will fulfill the thing God has given us because our lives impact other people. Yeah. And so I work really hard. That's the space that my life and my company, my team, are the coaches we train, we, we're to be the men in that mentoring role. We care for people deeply so they might accomplish what God wants them to do. We help them thrive as they lead change. And what's powerful is that when you start talking to leaders, you'll realize how many of them don't have as many partners. Some of them don't have many friends. They don't. And a lot of them couldn't name. They feel like, it's, they feel like they're not supposed to have mentors. Mm. I'm supposed to do this by myself. I'm supposed to be the leader. Like, and so you know, I always mm-hmm. tell people, like, you, you can never have more therapy than I've had in my life. You can never, I've been in spiritual direction for most of my um, adult Christian life. I have had coaches and mentors of all kinds. Um, I always tell people if I was a bishop, and I'm a Presbyterian, we don't have bishops, but I have little bishop fantasies. <laughs> I said, if I was a bishop, I would tell if you try to lead anything without a mentor, without a therapist, a coach, spiritual director. I'm going to consider that leadership malpractice mm. because leaders are dangerous when they try to do it by themselves. Yeah. So I, I learned that from my wife. She, she actually was a marriage and family therapist mm-hmm. who, when she had her marriage and family therapy practice in California, she was also on our clergy sexual misconduct task force for our presbytery. And she came home one day after meeting with someone whose life was devastated because a pastor had horrible boundaries and she said, you know, I don't get it. The state of California expects me to have supervision with 15 clients. You have 1,500 members and nobody asks you anything. Mind-blowing. And I start thinking, it's dangerous. Yeah, it's so dangerous. And, and we've seen this. We've seen famous pastors who've said stuff like, 
who I can't have a mentor unless I have a church that somebody's at a church that's bigger than mine. Well, that's arrogance yes. and mm-hmm. foolhardy and dangerous. Mm. There's all kinds of people that we can live, mm-hmm. that we can learn from. And, and, and there's all kinds of research that says that what adults simply need aren't even formal relationships as much as they need right. relationships where they can show up malleable. You show up at 2,000 degrees. Mm. You show up vulnerable and you lay yourself on the anvil. You trust this person and you learn and God, God holds you and shapes you through it. One of the things that I appreciated in your book was the tendency to hop out of the fire at mm. 700 degrees. Yeah, When you think you're ready mm-hmm. and you're not even... You're, uh, no, no, it's got to get three times that hot before yeah, you, it's yeah. going to, you know, and it's, yeah. that is so true. You think, well, wow, I can't talk a bit about staying in the fire, yeah. staying on the anvil so that, that the, the work can actually be done in me yeah. and perhaps through yeah. us. Well, so my, my dad uh, was a coach and a teacher and he used to always quote Harry Truman, you know, if you mm-hmm. can't stand the heat, stay out of the kitchen. kitchen. And what they meant by that was, hey, leadership is hard and it's hot in there. And it's true. You walk into a blacksmithing shop and it's hot in there. That's not nearly hot enough. Always the kitchen isn't hot enough. The the blacksmithing shop isn't hot enough. You got to go back into the fire. And the fire for most of us is not what's swirling around. It's the internal experience of vulnerability that I experience when things are swirling around. It's my own self-doubt. It's like uh, there's this famous day where Dr. King himself spent the entire night in prayer because during the Montgomery bus boycott, he said, if I could get out of this thing without people thinking I was a coward, I would resign today. And God met him in that moment Mm -hmm. and said, Martin Luther, I will be with you. And he said, that's the moment that took him through all the moments right up until he stood in front of a crowd of people and said, I've seen, I've been to the mountain. I've seen the promised land and I'm not going to get there with you. And the next day, an assassin's bullet yeah. took him. Mm-hmm. And you realize that need of being able to be vulnerable before God, vulnerable before others, being able to be vulnerable and honest with yourself is so critical. It's the one thing that I will say, if you don't have the capacity to be that vulnerable, I don't think you'll have the capacity to lead genuine change. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's the one place I've seen it over and over and over again. I love the tension between vulnerability, being real, being mm-hmm. authentic, and I'm reminded that, you know, according to, to Scripture, God's strength is perfected there. Yeah. That's that's yeah. where He does His best work. It's yeah. not the. I have learned, or am learning, mm. that um, people resonate much more with my weakness than they do mm. my accolades. Yeah. Uh, and when I rehearse those, I find myself being in a place where trust is beginning to be established and, and we can actually do some some real genuine work in their own lives. Yeah. So yeah. appreciate that reminder. Yeah. And one and the and what's important to remember is the anvil is because the vulnerability of leadership needs the security of relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has to be both. That's when the shaping right. begins. It's in both. And then the process can begin. But if we don't have those two things um, that's what you that's what I think that's what happened to COVID to a lot of pastors. Mm-hmm. They felt like they were alone or the heat was going too high or they began to doubt, you know, these people have left. Are they ever going to come back? Our, our congregations are dividing. I can't hold them together. Those moments of deep self-awareness, self-vulnerability, vulnerable self-reflection 
are actually the process that we start to go through that begins to make us eventually into that strong tempered tool. Mm -hmm. And it's what's really in the big picture, transforming us into Christ likeness. And uh, man, I just appreciate you taking the time to uh, these conversations. This has been good. It's healthy for us and Tracy and I really appreciate it. And, uh, so again, we're going to encourage our audience to pick up your books, uh, you know, to read. And, and uh, Tracy and I end these conversations uh, just by encouraging our audience to find ways to make their next steps the best step. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on The Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.